0: Miners of intelligence and consciousness. I'm Rick Brooks, and this is Rick's Mind. Today with me, I have Darian Kaufman, who is an Apache helicopter pilot. What's good, brother? Welcome to the show.
1: I appreciate it, Uh, Rick. Been a uh, whole year since I've seen you last, so good to see you again.
0: It's been it's been too long, man. It's been too long, and I'm really excited to have you here. Um, As first off, like we go back years, we. Played college football together. We were dorm mates. We we lived we lived together multiple times. And um, I, I always the weirdest thing about your story I've always found is that like you know you graduate college, you move to Seattle. I don't know you or you're work, Are you working for UPS? What are you doing post college?
1: You know, yeah, oddly enough, I worked for UPS. By the way, great company. Not promoting for them, but I I definitely, if you uh, can get a job working for UPS, being a driver, you will get paid very well. And then uh, I actually did a job uh, health coaching, which is more in line with my degree with public health. And I don't know, I found myself sitting at a desk like every single day and nothing wrong with sitting at a desk, but I thought to myself, eventually I was like, this can't be the next 30 years. And if it is, then... I'm going to have some issues. So went down, actually talked to a uh, recruiter in Washington about joining the National Guard and then moved back to Oregon, moved to Bend, Uh, enjoyed my time there for about a year, Uh, you know, drank a lot of beer, and that was about it. And (laughs) the recruiter actually convinced me to go full active duty. That was the only thing I can say a recruiter actually convinced me of doing.
0: Really, he's like he's like you got you got to go all in. And did you know that you wanted to fly helicopters like like from the from the jump?
1: No. Okay. So,
0: also real quick, can you move your can you push your camera back? It's cutting off the top of your head. People need to see your beautiful hair, dude. Oh, beautiful! Thanks, man. Sorry,
1: yeah. I have hair now, so <laughs> people should see it. But no, actually, um, so. To anyone like listening, there's like a couple different sides of the military. You have the enlisted side, which you hear in movies like Sergeant, stuff like that, basic training, all that kind of stuff. You have the enlisted side. They do all of the day-to-day work. They're more involved with soldiers. They're the ones directly involved with like a soldier's future. And then you have officers, which that requires a four-year degree. Typically, they're going to be your commanders. That's like your captain or your general. There's a bunch of ranks in between there, but no one knows those because they know Captain America and they know generals. Um, (laughs) So we'll just leave it at that. And then in the United States Army, we have a very special subsect, which is called a warrant officer. And it's kind of in between both of them. It's not an enlisted soldier and it is a commissioned officer, but a full commissioned officer, they call them RDLs uh, or RLDs, real life officers, RLOs. Um, With that, the RLO outranks the warrant officer, but the warrant officer is considered the subject matter, matter expert. So when it comes to like flying a helicopter, I am an officer. I will one day be a commander of... A whole aviation company. Hopefully, if I do uh, play my cards right, I'll be the commander of a whole aviation battalion. But I will fly less throughout my career, almost half as much as a warrant officer will, because their entire job is to be the best pilot that they possibly can be. And it's not just uh, pilots that are warrant officers, there's other jobs that you can do as a warrant. But they are considered like the utmost respectable person in their specific job title that they can be.
0: Damn, dude! I actually did not know that.
1: Yeah, no. Because why would you?
0: Yeah, that's true. This, mm-hmm. this, this is this is also very, very true. So I thought, dude, the last time you spoke, I thought you were a warrant officer. Did you? Did you? How? What happened there?
1: I, uh, you know, I thought about going warrant. Um, and I just went full fledged officer, which honestly could have backfired on me. So I don't know if you know this, the army, or actually I'll ask you this. Did you know that there's an aviation, like a pilot shortage in America?
0: I did know that.
1: Yeah. So that's not just in the civilian world. That's military as well.
0: I did not know that in the military.
1: Yeah. So, um, they consider us a couple years behind of like aviation numbers. And so I decided to go full-fledged officer because I was like, oh, they need pilots. You know, it will be very easy to get aviation. So I went to OCS and you have to put in a packet at OCS. So another example, so OCS is Officer Candidate School. Okay. You can go there if you have a degree and you basically get scored through all these different events and where you score depicts what job you'll be able to do. So let's say that there's four infantry slots, a couple engineer, like all these other jobs. Well, if you're number one, you get your pick of the letter. But if you're number 80, it all is depicted off of what people picked before you. But with aviation, that list doesn't matter at all. You send a packet up to Fort Rucker, Alabama, which is where flight school is for the Army. And they look at your packet and they say, yay or nay. And if they pick you, then you're automatically off the OML, you get, you get that job. Well, so I thought the Army needs aviation pilots. I'll do that. Turns out they need warrants. And only 5% of the officers, which is what I did, come from OCS. The rest come from ROTC and West Point.
0: Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you know this go b- when you set, before you sent your packet off, or did you figure this out after the packet was off?
1: No, after the packet was off. And uh, oh. <laughs> the, the cadre, sucks. yeah, it was bad. The cadre told me at OCS, like, they were like, yeah, like, good job, like, sending off your packet. They're like, just to let you know, the last 30 people that have applied out of OCS have been declined. Fuck. And I was like, well, this could have just been four years of work. And now I'm going to be an engineer officer, which there's nothing wrong with that. But when you have your heart set on one thing for that long and you put all the marbles on that and then find out, oh, that's not how it works.
0: Oh, dude, dude. What? (sighs) Did you lose sleep after this guy told you that I would have been like, are you like, that's your dream, man. You know,
1: a hundred percent. And so to put it into perspective, OCS is a 12 week course, 13 week course. You branch at week eight. And so my packet hadn't even come back by the time we branched. So originally at week eight, I branched armor. So I was going to be a tank commander And then, yeah, it would still be really dope, but it wasn't what I wanted. It's what my wife does, which is cool. Yeah, But um, no, and then two weeks later, after branching or like a week later, the packet came back that I had been accepted. And it was like a week or two before graduation. So they had to change around all my orders. They had to do like I had to change my uniform, all that kind of stuff.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Because that's the thing about aviation. They could tell you at any point that you got accepted. And it's kind of like one of those deals where if you say you want to be aviation, they accept you. You kind of have to take it.
0: Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, but it just, it opens up so many doors for you even post military. I mean, there's not, you can, you're always going to be able to get a job being a helicopter. I would assume,
1: I would assume like it's, it's, I would assume. Am I right there? Um, so, yes. And no, like, it depends. So when the COVID, so, okay, like I'll try to like break this down. So basically Army's having a big, Army, Air Force, Navy, doesn't matter who you are, having a big problem retaining pilots. Well, the reason for that is because let's say that like right now as in O1E and for, or O2E, For you that don't know that, um, O2 is my pay grade, so I'm a first lieutenant. E, it means I was enlisted before, so I get extra money for being enlisted before I became an officer. Nice. So it's great, but even as like an O2E, you might make, depending on where you're living, because we get different costs of living. Like if I lived in Seattle, I would get more cost of living than living in lower Alabama. Mm Mm-hmm as one would expect, yes. but yeah. <laughs> so let's, yeah. So uh, you might make six figures, but as a pilot for like Delta, if you work your way up in seniority, you might make 250,000. Yeah. And yeah. you don't get shot at. So, you know, yeah. really no uh, two great things. Um, yeah. so that's why the army and like the military in general has lost a lot of pilots because it's just a better quality of life. And more money, mm-hmm. but then COVID hit, and the airlines took a dump. Yep. So for a little bit there, actually, everyone like contractors, all that kind of stuff, were trying to come back to the military because they lost their job. Oh fuck! But now, yeah, how hard how
0: hard is it to get back in?
1: Um, as far as getting back into the military, I can't tell you. Like, I haven't well, met that many people that um have left the service and then came back. I do have one buddy that I was at flight school with. He was a Marine for four years and then Mm -hmm. was a civilian for like four years named Jordan Chatler. And then he applied to be a warrant officer and now he's a pilot. So, I mean, where there's a will, there's a way,
0: but there's always a way.
1: Yeah. But I don't know. It's one of those hard things because I, I imagine it's easier to get back as a contractor. Because just certain things are easier to get that way. And I mean, at flight school, somebody has to fly with us.
0: So yeah, when you say contract, what, what do you mean by that? Do you mean like the, like teaching people how to fly? Like say I was a pilot and now I'm out. And I was like, you know what? Uh, fuck the civilian world. I, I don't like it. I miss the brotherhood. I'm going back in. And they're like, yeah, how about you just take a contract? You teach these
1: young, these young studs how to fly. And I'll be like, all right, yeah, I can do that. Is that kind of what you mean? Basically, yeah. So, like, I'll, I'll use my example, which is my IP instructor pilot. His name was Todd Chambers. One of the best men I've ever met in my life. Super happy. Never met anyone that's been more kind to other people. Pretty sure he's killed, like, hundreds of people. Um, but still very, very happy guy. Um, yeah. nonetheless, he did 32 years in the army. He retired. Whoa. Yeah. As a CW five, which CW five is the highest warrant officer rank you can possibly get. They're like a unicorn. Okay. Uh, okay. you never okay. see one. You're like, when you see one, you're confused how to act around them. Cause you're like, basically equivalently, they're like the rank of like, almost like a Colonel, but they're not. Yeah. And uh, he did 32 years in the army, left the army, instantly went into contracting for the military. And uh, he, was my, he flies young pilots around and teaches them how to fly the Apache. And this dude's been flying the Apache since like the early 1990s. So like when we were born.
0: Dude, wow, wait, wait, how many, how, many do you, how many combat missions did this dude go on?
1: Dude, I I have no idea. I'm pretty sure it was, like, anywhere between five and eight. But – and he was a really smart guy. Like, I'll give you a story about him. He was great. So, um, he was doing a mission in Afghanistan. He was telling us about this. And he always tried to think, like, what would cost the military the least amount of money? Because, you know, if we blow up a building that we weren't supposed to, we have to pay for that. Yeah. So – insurgents took over an entire hospital and he was thinking, okay, what's going to be the least amount of, you know, casualty What's the the least amount of damage, but it was a hospital. So they had helium tanks inside the hospital, which he didn't know about. So he, he shot a 30 millimeter round in there to limit the amount of damage that could be done. He hit a helium tank and he blew up the whole building. And I was like, what can you do?
0: Yeah, what can you do?
1: Damn.
0: Damn.
1: Yeah, because at the end of the day, like you're thinking about a ton of stuff. There's like seven radios next to you. And he's like, okay, this is the best decision I can make. And then he does it, and something happens that you didn't calculate for.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And. That's intense. Is it weird though that like when I just the idea of being able to fly around and rain death down? I'm like, man, that sounds awesome. I, I don't know why. I've al- I've always like been very. I, I should have always think about. I made a mistake not joining. I should have. But um, I do definitely have a, a minor problem with authority. But dude, it just it seems like such a freaking cool life. Unless you get stationed
1: in Alabama, and then it, it's not as chill as you'd think. Which is weird because a lot of the guys outside of flight school want to be stationed in Alabama.
0: Really? Why?
1: So in the military, we have stuff called TRADOC, which is training like what I was just in. Mm-hmm. And then you have com, which uh, com is like all the units that go forward, they deploy, do stuff like that. A lot of field exercises, whatnot. Um, and up until recently, the uh, when we pulled out of Afghanistan aviation because of how far behind we are as far as like manning it would be mm-hmm. you would do a rotation to like europe let's say and you mm-hmm. would come back for you know nine months after a nine month rotation but that rotation was to get you ready to go to afghanistan or iraq so in a three-year stint you were gone for anywhere between 18 and 22 24 months mm-hmm. and when you get stuck in tradoc you're never you don't deploy. Oh. Yeah. So, as far as like getting to see your kids grow up or actually spending time with your significant other, it can be very beneficial.
0: Yeah. 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 I I never th- th- these are things I have no idea. I didn't know any anything about this life, dude. I know nothing about it. That's did you enjoy your time in Alabama?
1: I mean, I, I will say, I don't know if I was in the wrong area of the South, but the food is not what I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be better. Um, so that was unfortunate. Uh, but the Florida coast, like the Gulf Coast of Florida, absolutely incredible. Probably the best beach I've ever seen. Yeah. So yeah, like, mm-hmm. I would say that.
0: You would say that. Um I, 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 you might not have been in the right area. Cause like what, Tennessee, Eastern Tennessee, North Carolina, absolutely fantastic food. Texas is not really the South. It's the Southwest, but fantastic food. Um, I, Louisiana. What'd you think of that? You went, you went to Louisiana. You snap oh. me all the time.
1: Well, yeah, actually me and Becca on our way to Texas, we, we went down, we went to the Everglades national park in Florida That was awesome. Mm -hmm. Got to see some manatees floating around, whatnot. Went on an airboat ride with some crocodiles. Um, (laughs) Went up, went to Orlando. Yeah, Saw Miami. Uh, Yeah, Miami Beach. That was great. Then we stopped in New Orleans, of course, which is not quite back to what it was before COVID, but it's still great. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and then just headed over to Austin and then right over to El Paso. Which, by the way, threw me off a little bit because the email you sent me, I read the first time, which was Central Standard Time, Mm -hmm. but totally forgetting that El Paso is in Mountain Time.
0: Oh, it is, dude. Yeah. I I fucked that up, too. Well, it's on on the west side of the state.
1: Yeah. And I was just lucky because I looked down and I saw that it said 1730 Pacific Time. And I was like. Oh, shit. Damn. But the loop back. Yeah, te- I never answered your yeah. original question on if I wanted to be yeah. a helicopter pilot originally. No, I didn't. Uh, at all. <laughs> I wanted to be a pilot. My grandpa served in World War II. And uh, my family told me that he was in the Air Force. So I wanted to be a pilot ever since I was young. Turned out, mm-hmm. once I joined the military, I found out that he did not serve in the Air Force. Because the Air Force did not exist during World War two
0: it did not, and that was an invention after World War two yeah and it was like we 1951 or
1: nineteen fifty two I'm not hundred percent sure mm-hmm. you would fact check me on that were,
0: the, yeah debargo it was it was the navy uh pilots and army pilots or yeah. what we had yeah it was
1: called the Army Air Corps, and that was what my grandfather was a part of um mm-hmm. So I thought he was in the Air Force, wanted to be a pilot. And then I joined, obviously, enlisted. I joined uh, in public health because I thought, if I hate this, my contract is only four years long.
2: John? Oh, sorry. Um, I did find the Air Force was uh, founded, where did the date go? On September 18th, 1947.
1: 1947, okay. Still... Post-World Post War, War II. You're yeah. good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Kid,
0: sorry.
1: Appreciate it, John. Yeah, I was like, I know that it wasn't exactly – I was like, I know they weren't a part of World War II. It was after that. Um, that's why I'm not in the Air Force uh, because I don't know any of their history. Um, but, no, I joined public health uh, because my theory was – and you've probably experienced this and everyone in our generation. You leave college with a degree, but then they want four or five years of experience – Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, well, how do I get five years of experience, but no one will hire me? So I joined the military in public health. And I was like, if I like it, I'll stay. And if I don't like it, I have five years of experience.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there
1: you I go. I can now leave and go get a <laughs> job. And luckily enough, I actually met a guy during basic training who told me that he was an 09 Whiskey, which is a warrant officer candidate but he had to go through basic training. And I was like, what is a warrant officer candidate? And he was like, I'm here to be a helicopter pilot. And I said, no way the army has pilots, which shows you how much I knew about the company that I just joined. Uh, (laughs) But ever since that moment in basic training, I set out to be a helicopter pilot and it took a long time. But yes, but it happened.
0: You're here now, man. You're here now, and and I'm proud of you, dude. You should be proud of yourself. You you've been busting your ass off, and I'm glad that you know we've continued to to talk throughout the years. And i you you know I you've clued me in. You've changed. I think the thing that I love the most about you is you've just changed so much as a human being um, since you joined the service. You, you picked up so many new skills. You play guitar now. And I think we've spoke a few times when you were in Iraq, and I was like, "Hey, man, how how is it going? You see any action?" like, "I'm bored as fuck. I've learned to play guitar. My roommates learned another language." And I was like, "Wait, what?" So I mean, I had just the amount of disconnect that I have between what actually happens, uh, you know, what goes on when you're deployed. It's like it's completely, it's it's all wrong, right? And um,
1: in in some
0: ways, but in some ways not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, you're, it's, it's definitely not ideal. Um, but, It's cool, though. Like, you've you've gotten to see the world and travel and, you know, meet so many interesting human beings. Like, that's the part that fascinates. From all walks of life, you have people that are from Harvard, people that, you know, are poor, people that were gangbangers and found a new, you know, a a, a different life. Like, the military is just this weird amalgamation of human beings that that it's a really unique brotherhood. It's something I'm envious of um, that you're a part of, man. I'm too old now. Can't do it. Too
1: That's not true. But you could. Uh, but shut up. Yeah, you could. You could do it all the way up until you're about. You're in the cusp. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I was gonna say. I was like, I'm pretty sure you can't commission, and uh, you fact check me on this. You have to get a. You can commission, but after the age of, if you turn 33 before the date of commissioning, you have to get a waiver.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, okay. which, depending on the time of service, can be very easy or very hard. Like, if you were to join in 2005, you would have been ushered right in. But Why, if you why were, 2005? Uh, height of the surge, into Iraq, Afghanistan, oh. post 9 yeah. Yeah. That kind of stuff. That's Mike, true. You you'll meet guys who came in originally, like.
2: Go ahead, John. Oh hey, I uh, I found the uh, your age limit. You have to be n- between nineteen and thirty two to be a uh, commissioned officer.
1: Yep. Oh shit. And shit. that's what I was saying. Uh, if you hit thirty three before you commission, you have to get a waiver. And okay, it's it's not that hard, but uh, no, like back when the original push happened, you'll see like NCOs, like senior NCOs. They might have like a neck tattoo or like a commissioned officer who has a felony, something like that, where if they would have joined in 2016, let's say when we were drawing down, that would have been a no-go, but yeah. they joined in 2005. Yeah. If you need people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, as far as you know, the, what's the scuttle, uh, are we drawn up right now? What's happening? There's a lot going on in the world.
1: So I'm, I can't speak to if we're drawing up or not. The biggest concern I have is like, not if we're drawing up, it's if we even could. And why
0: do you say that? So
1: at least for me, like being in the military, and this is all like just personal opinion of mine. So since I've been in the service, when I was an NCO, the most impressive Soldiers I met were between like the ages of like 24 and 30, which you would suspect because that's Mm -hmm. your, the prime of your life as a man. But what was more daunting was how not ready for physical tests that anyone between the ages of like 18 and 21 was. And I I'm talking like, I've never had more. I've never had a soldier in their mid twenties or even early thirties, fail a run. I've had a ton of soldiers in their teens fail runs. What? Um, and like you've probably heard this on other podcasts, like I, it's harder to get in the military than it is to get into college. And I'm not talking about university, like us going to Oregon State or anything like that, or Yale. But you could go to Devry, mm-hmm. like just about anyone. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. You can go to to New Hampshire
1: University online, baby. Yeah. And I'm like right now at 30, because like you've lived with me before, I've weighed about 220 pounds for the last Mm -hmm. decade. Yep. Relatively the same weight. The amount of friends I have right now in our age group at 30, that if they went to MEPS and could actually serve, I could probably count on one hand. Shit they wouldn't make height and weight they've had physical ailments uh and that's like another thing that comes back to like just being uh like piloting one of the things that people don't take into account is yes it takes a certain amount of intelligence all that kind of stuff to do anything in the military like we have line scores asvab all that kind of stuff but like for stuff like pilot sf ranger all that kind of stuff the reason why most of them are getting kicked out isn't because they're not smart enough, it's the physical. They physically are not in good enough shape to make it through.
0: You're
1: and freaking I... freaking me out right now. What?
0: You're freaking me out
1: right now. And that's just one of those things that's like terrifying, like moving forward is like I said, like just seeing that kind of thing. Um, the military has done some good stuff. I'm happy that they've moved... From their original APFT, which is our Army Physical Fitness Test. It used to be two Mm -hmm. minutes of sit-ups, two minutes of push-ups, and a two-mile run. Now, we do hand-release push-ups, which I'm still not a huge fan of, but at least it's progress. We do a ball toss with um, a medicine ball. You're literally throwing a medicine ball behind your head. Deadlift, in order to max it, 100% would be 340 for three reps on a hex bar.
0: Mm. Yeah. So, what did I do that with my
1: eyes closed? Yeah. Nothing, nothing too bad. Uh, we do a sprint drag carry, which is you're pulling a 90 pound sled down and back. You run down and back, do some shuffles, carry some, uh, kettlebells down and back, and then you sprint again. Not too bad. And then at the very end of it, oh, you do, um, this thing called, uh, a leg, uh, the leg tuck, which Mm -hmm. I mean, without like getting up and showing you what it is, it's basically like, Kind of like hanging leg races, similarly, like just kind of an abdominal workout. There's also okay. other workouts you can do, and then you do a two mile run at the end. Uh, so,
0: what, what do I get? What do I? What do I got to? What do I got to run two miles in?
1: It depends. Do you want to max or do you want to pass? I want to pass. Twenty one minutes. Oh, bro. Okay, I'm golden. Yeah, uh, I, can do, I can do all this to max. I th- And they keep changing these standards because it hasn't actually been implemented yet. Like, no one's taken one for record. And I don't think that's going to happen for until next fiscal year. I could be fact-checked on that. It could be this fiscal year. I don't really know. I don't really care because it's not that hard of a test. But mm-hmm. uh, to max it, I think you have to get 1330 or 1315, which still isn't that bad.
0: No, it's not terrible. That's not yeah. terrible. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure um, even I don't run that much. I think I could bust that out in 15, 15. That would hurt. You run more like, than uh, most people yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah, seen I you do. running hills. It's, so yeah. just the, the fact that that actually baby, made you know. it on
1: your Snapchat would uh, let me know <laughs> that you run more than the average American.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we. Yeah, man. Um Good times create soft men, and we've had nothing but good times since the 40s. And it's, it's something I worry about, especially with our, you know, and I'm just as guilty as an ex person, right? Like, I don't, I, politically, <clears throat> I don't really pay attention to what, what's going on. I just don't care. I think a lot of it's pointless. But geopolitically, that's where Come my on, Rick, interests tend out. to be. Yeah. So, sorry about that. Technical difficulties, folks. Um, where'd you last hear me?
1: I didn't hear anything that you said. You, I heard uh, good times create weak men.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah that yeah, was the last I yeah, heard good, as well. Good times create, create weak men. Um, and we haven't had a lot of bad times since the 40s. And so I I don't really pay attention to anything that's going on Politically, right? You hear a little bit, this and that. But really where my, my attention has always been drawn is geopolitics. And um, my so far, I've been very focused on the South China Sea and that shit show. And lately, I've been, you know, John kind of pointed this out to me. Eastern Europe is going It's going crazy. And so I I look at what's going on and the loss of manufacturing and everything that we've lost in this in America. And I'm very concerned, especially when we have a lot of enemies, right, uh, basically at the gate that we're beholden to, especially when it comes to the Chinese, right? And I get concerned, and when you tell me that we don't have uh, that that p- our teenagers are not physically fit and that we're unable like th- th- they're not able to pass these physical tests, that's terrifying. And um, <clears throat> it's you know if if something were to pop off right, I'm definitely going. I' I've, I've, I've effectively been completely brainwashed. I'm a hundred percent love America, ready to roll. I have family members grandparents cousins I've all served I would answer the fucking call I don't want to and I'm anti-war but I I look at where what's going on in the world and I and I can't help but think and and based off the conversations we've had on this I've had on this podcast it's not looking good and I don't know if there is a peaceful solution that can be had and when I look at the strategy, and I, I keep hammering China, right? Like, it's not that they're trying to fight a potential war in the next year or two. It's like twenty years. More well, it's, yeah, it's like they're, the propaganda they're, they're long films. To, yeah, and it's it. Yeah, the, you. So you're aware of the propaganda films that's been. I don't going even have social media,
1: and I, I know semi what goes on.
0: Yeah, it's it's not good. And and I'm I'm wondering, and I again there's not a lot I know there's some things you can't tell me and whatnot, but like what are you if what are you you know what are you hearing? Let us in. Like what's going on? Are people are we I we're making a lot of moves silently. You know, we just sold and I'm I'm gonna get back to Russia. I'm I'm doing it again. I'm myopically focused on the South China Sea, and I apologize, to listeners. What are we what are you hearing? Where are you know, what is what is the conversation like in the arm in our armed forces at this moment?
1: Well, so this is just by and large like what everyone talks about. Like it was what I talked about when I was medical, it was what I talked about as an Apache pilot. It's doesn't matter. Um, the thing is, since what was it 2003 when we did. I think Rick's frozen again.
0: Nope. I'm here.
1: No, you're not? Just your video? Okay. Um, yeah, it's probably my video. Yeah, since 2003, we've been fight- fighting a coin war. Which, do you know what coin is? Like I, I'll explain it if not.
0: P- please do. I don't know.
1: Okay, counterinsurgency. Mm-hmm. So, um, a coin war is different than like near-peer conflict. And okay. a coin war is like what we've been in in Afghanistan and Iraq. Where, you know, somebody comes out of, like, their house, they shoot at you. It's more like getting to know the locals, you know, trying to figure out where the person is, stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas near-peer is more like, and, you know, I'm not going to give you, like, a specific, but, like, to put into it, uh, you have, like, air defense units that can shoot down, like, can shoot a rocket with precision and shoot down a aircraft from a hundred kilometers away. Yeah. Whereas um, so that's one of the struggles that we've been talking about, like, especially as an Apache community with our IPs, because they've had a very different experience than us uh, in their experience. They went to Afghanistan, Iraq, stuff like that. Yeah. RPGs were very much a thing, but if they go up to 3000 feet, and just circle around, no one can touch them. But then they're trying to teach young pilots how to pilot in the future against near peer where we could get shot down as soon as we left off the ground. Fuck. So how do you do that? Like, and how do you do it when you've never experienced it? And that's like, they've, yeah. they've even said that, like, they're like, how can I train somebody in a scenario that I haven't done?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, and that's, that's really, you know, we have a lot of combat experience within our, our arms, arms forces community, but it, it's been against people that aren't on the same level that we are technologically. These future conflicts, God forbid, that, you know, we're talking about are not the case. They would be the first, these are powers. And when two, when powers feud, the loss of life is—it's astronomical. It's terrible, and I mean, I'm I'm watching right now a lot of these uh, war correspondents um, for uh, different new independent news sources. I don't even I, can, I can't think of the names at the up the top of my head, but they're they're embedded with uh, Ukrainian forces, and the Russians are sending like. It, they can't film, that. These they have to pull back from the line at night, because if they film an in infrared, they can detect where the Ukrainians are, and they will send either a drone strike against them, or they'll have um, those little, uh, um, I mean, like miniature drones, right? And they, they can drop missiles and whatnot. Or like there's, so there's all sorts of stuff technologically that uh, I know we've done to I the Iraqis, I like Afghan, Afghanis and whatnot. But like, this is like, you know, this is, these are two, I don't know if you would call Ukrainian a power. I, I technically, I think they have the third largest military in Europe, but Google that, uh, John, I could be wrong there. But um, <clears throat> that's, you know, that's what's going on right now. And I, I understand that if we were to engage in with another power, that the amount, the losses, and, and the learning curve of our generals as well, they would have to learn. And when they're learning, they're spending lives. And that's just, a, that's, if, if you read history, that's what's going on. Go ahead, John. Uh,
2: so confirmed, they are the third largest military in Europe. Uh, <laughs> confirmed at 255,000 uh, personnel, though it's reported that, that it has grown to 280,000 in response to Russia's uh, troop movements.
1: Fair enough. 100%. Right.
2: 100%. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much. So, we, so that is, you know, th- so these are the things so you guys are, uh, it sounds like, and I'm going to read in between the lines here, it sounds like that's kind of the general consensus right now is we fought wars one way for the past 20 years, and we're sort of gearing up to fight something different in the future.
1: Well, I mean, I mean, that's not classified knowledge. That's anybody that's in the news knows that. So, um, <laughs> and I mean, it's kind of the same thing as when we originally pushed into Afghanistan and Iraq was all of our previous doctrine was all off of near peer conflict. Mm-hmm. And that's why things did not go exactly as planned the first couple of years. I, uh, and then changed because, military doctrine i know this sounds shocking because it's government and you would figure it works really quickly but uh it doesn't yeah that's yeah it takes quite a few years to change anything and so that's kind of um what's going on now i mean at least from what we've seen like it's not that they don't want to change something i don't know if i wouldn't want to be in the shoes of a general or a high up leader that's trying to figure out the doctrine that's needed to do near-peer conflict. Yeah. He's never seen it.
0: No, no. And th- that's, the, uh, if you look at, and I'm, I'll go back to history, if you look at World War I, this is the best example of this. It's completely different, but let's just say, we're going to use that. You French had war, all yeah. these generals. Yeah, you've had all these generals that fought, you know, in the 1800s. And then we have all these modern weapons, and they're fighting an 1800s war. With you know 19th century technology, and it's costing a lot of lives. Whereas you know, and in the same parallels, if if God forbid, I'm going to keep saying that this pops off, right? It's a completely different. We will have the same mindset. We will be fighting um, against powers that can do the exact same things we can. And they're going to have things that are better that we don't know about and, and vice versa. But we'll be, we'll be using the doctrines of the past almost 80 years, right? All the combined knowledge we have, you know, tanks, but now we're going to have a different element. We're going to have computers. We're going to have heat-seeking technology. I don't even, I can't, you know, the list can go on and on and on, right? We're going to use all the, these things that people haven't planned for or thought of, and it's going to, it's going to cost lives. And that's why we shouldn't do it. War's stupid. Let's not. Let's not. I mean, I know you're in the business of war, sir, but let's <laughs> uh, let's not do it. Let's let's be let's be peaceful. Let's be better. And then, I mean, the the big elephant in the room is like everyone that we're taught these powers that we're talking about. They also have nuclear tech capabilities as well. Very capable. So it's um the and I don't want to be to doomsday ish right um i don't whether I don't think that something like this is gonna is gonna pop off i mean I mean that's actually not entirely true. I definitely think that something like this could pop off, which is why I think about it, but i just i just i really hope that it doesn't just for the reasons that we we had you know spoke about, but I just man that's really i don't know man I really don't know I,
1: I and at the end of the day it's gonna change like a lot of stuff like. The fact of the matter is, with how sophisticated technology is now, you can't you can't have a cell phone in your um, in your camp because if you do, nope. it will be found. So it will go back to sending letters.
0: Dude, that's that's the funny thing because in Ukraine on the front lines, they can't use any of the standard communications radios. They're using. Uh, it's not Morse. I think it's a landline. They're using landline communication mm-hmm. to to move orders because if they use anything else, a heat-seeking missile will hit them, or you know, an artillery shell. So, like, I've been studying. It's been fascinating to me because I'm seeing two two power, definitely one power of Russia, the 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 aggressor state. Now, you know, and to be fair, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm 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 just gonna call it the the aggressor state, right? But I don't have my facts straight. Sure on that, you know. Um, Sure I don't have my facts straight on that. Okay, I don't. So I'm not trying to spread propaganda or anything. But so we've got, we've got them using landlines. But it's it's interesting to watch how this is playing out because there's um there's the like it's like a a combination between a 21st war and then World War One because they're they're all tunneled in and they can see. The Ukrainians can see these Russians. They shoot at each other every day. It's been—I mean, this this little conflict, this little 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 little, uh, smoldering war has been going on for seven years, and right now it's at the uh, the precipice. It's 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 about to come to. Well, I hope, God forbid, it might come to a head. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're using what is it, DJ? What do you mean, DJI drones for surveillance, John?
2: Uh, DJI is a company that makes drones. It's a Chinese manufacturer there. I had seen reports that the Ukrainian military is using, um, I forget the the model, but it's one of the higher end ones that are normally used for cinema or for um, infrastructure stuff like uh, inspecting towers and things that are high up that you fly a drone that carries a pretty heavy camera or has like... Uh, stronger motors on it they're using those for surveillance and then the russians are using just t- cheap drones anything they can find they're suspending mortar uh, mortar s- shells from the bottom of them fly over as low as they can without getting detected and then drop it a- on positions um
0: well, are you it's kind of weird how- are you 100 sure of that because yeah. I thought yeah, I've that, seen, that was. I'll find the.
2: Um, I'll find the find, news articles yeah, I've been
0: reading about it. Find the source for that because I th- I thought it was um, a either an African country or a um, some Middle Eastern like. A, oh, I don't that, know. well,
2: that's happening. So that's happening in Ethiopia with the civil yeah, war they're having. Yeah, um, they're doing that too. That's become kind of the new the cool new thing to do instead of having suicide bombers, uh, all the time you have drones with mortars or with C four strapped to the bottom of it and they just fly it in and, and, uh, blow it up. So that's not exclusive to Russia and the Ukraine, but but that's been something that's been happening in Ethiopia a lot too.
0: Check, check that because that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. If I just, I, Russia is a very capable army. Um, Again, I'm talking out of my ass. I'm going to assume they're a very capable army. And I, d- I think that they would be more strategic and have better stuff than that. So just make sure that that's accurate. I'll look into it. I'm pretty it. sure. Yeah. I mean, they've got jets and tanks and all so the same shit we do. You know, they got, they're got nuclear power, bro. I, I can't imagine that's what they'd be using. You know, I f- figure they'd use the same types of drones and shit.
1: But let's I mean, they'd be shocking if they did, though. It would be shocking. Yeah, who's looking to, for a civilian drone though? Coming into their camp.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Hey, it's a TikToker. No, <laughs> Jesus, I don't
1: know. Like, there's man. everything in war is like the most likely course of action, and then the most dangerous. So it's what you think yeah. the enemy is going to do versus what's the worst case scenario. So you have to exhaust all possibilities. Not saying that it's right. Not saying that it's wrong. Just a way to think about war. Yeah,
0: I mean it is, and they're. I mean it makes sense. Maybe they're probing. I. It it makes sense to a a certain effect, but I just feel like there'd be more effective means, right? Like I feel like it. It's that's a very low risk. I feel like low reward strategy. Whereas if I have a drone, uh, an unmanned drone, I'm flying above, and I've got you know. I don't know, uh, um, not heat-seeking, I guess heat-seeking, right? What, but th- what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I'm looking for heat signatures. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Infrared, I'm looking for heat signatures. Oh, my God, I see some Ukrainian rebels. Boom, strike. You know, that, I feel like that's the, the more yeah. effective thing. Yeah, flare. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like that would be what they would do. I feel like it'd be the same strategies we've been employing for the past 20 years. But I don't know. I could be wrong. He's pulling it up. Yeah, but I mean, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on on all of this? I mean, you you, you tend to agree with me, which makes me feel like I'm not too crazy. But as far as like, do you see in our future, in your opinion, do you see a large conflict breaking out between the
1: powers? I mean, how long in human history is the world went without war? So...
0: I mean, there hasn't been a year, but it's been about 80, 80 plus, 83, 84 years since there's been, a like, I just can't. I just feel like we're smarter than that, man. You know? I feel like we've, we've learned our lesson, hopefully. Hopefully. Okay, John, what's up?
1: What's up, John?
2: Uh, so what I found was uh, going back to uh, Atlas News on Instagram, they had several reports of the Ukrainian military using DJI Matrice 300 RTK drones that have uh, they're rated for a higher payload. So then they put their you know military surveillance gear on that. They were doing test flights, and um, Ukraine friendly fire shot up, shot one down because they thought it was the Russians using drones.
0: Okay, so well, okay, I th- that now that makes sense. I just can't imagine Russia doing that. Okay, okay, I'm glad we cleared that up. Very glad. Well, Darian, dude, I really appreciate you doing this, man. Um, I mean, if you could give any advice to anyone that's thinking about enlisting in the armed forces, what would it be?
1: I mean, honestly, for me, if you have a goal in mind and if you can see it through the army can help you get there or any armed forces for that matter. And, If not do one contract and get out because all the benefits that you get besides a pension happen in that first three to four years.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I, I really, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on the show, share your story and let me freak out a little bit about what's going on in the world. And, and, um, God forbid any of that stuff happens because I know that you would be gone and that would suck. But, dude, I'm, I'm super excited to and proud of what you're doing. And, um, you know, keep it up, my brother.
1: Appreciate it, guys. Uh, thank you, Rick. Thank you. It's been a wonderful time on your podcast. If you ever want me again, I'll come back.
0: Dude, you're 100% going to come back, bro. This is great. We'll, we'll talk about other shit um, next time you're on. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, g- listen, folks, didn't mean to get all doom and gloom there, but pay attention. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world right now. But at the end of the day, it's all about what you control. And as I've stated a billion times, you control your attitude, your effort, and your diet. So just manage to control those things and uh, keep getting better. It's all we can ask for. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Um... You know we're on YouTube now, so please, please, please hit that subscribe button. That helps a lot. Um, leave us a review on iTunes as well, or anywhere you get podcast. Uh, that helps as well. Uh, we're you know we're growing this show, and it's all because of you guys. We appreciate the support, and smash the fucking like button if you feel so inclined, ladies and gentlemen. Brooks out. Finally did it.